Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories. It's me, Shannon. Despite the 100 degree heat here in Southern Oregon, I feel summer winding down. What does end of summer look like where you are? Don't hesitate to reach out. I love to hear from you. Shannon at intrepidwater.com. In today's episode, I spoke with Anthony McCarley. Two months before his 50th birthday, Anthony decided to fulfill his boyhood dream of swimming the English Channel. It took another four years before his dream would come true. He's gone on to pioneer marathon swim routes both in maturity and in new locations. Anthony insists the only reason he continues to swim marathons is because of the community. This theme, the community, is an artery through marathon swim stories. There's nothing quite like meeting another marathon swimmer. While some of us love the preparation, others the planning, you instantly click. No matter where you are in the world, when you meet a marathon swimmer, you meet someone who gets you. Admittedly outcome-driven, I immediately identified with Anthony, and I love how he's analyzed and broken down the attributes of a swim and applied those lessons to life, both his as well as his business clients. We could all learn a thing or two from marathon swimmers. You're sure to pick up some helpful tips in this episode. Enjoy. All right. Well, tell us your um, tell us your story, marathon. You can you can focus on the marathon swimming part of it, but I want to hear any story you're willing to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's stick to swimming. So, uh, yeah, I, I've done a few marathon swims, um, but I really I, I didn't get into marathon swimming to marathon swim or to get in shape or any of that kind of stuff. What happened is is that. From the time I was a little kid, I always wanted some English channel. I, I, and I, I can't tell you where it came from. I can't tell you if it was because somebody, you know, swam it and I, you know, read about it in the paper or heard it on the radio or saw it in the news or whatever. But from the time I was like eight or nine years old, even before I knew how to swim, I wanted to swim English channel. And then, um, you know, growing up in, in San Francisco Bay Area, right, I swam aquatic park when I was 16 years old. I even did Alcatraz when I was 16. Um, but, uh, you know, did masters off and on that kind of stuff, but never really focused on the marathon swimming stuff, um, until I was two months before my 50th birthday. And I was like, holy guacamole, Batman, I'm running out of time. So I better get to it. And it, it, it took me, you know, four years to get it done. And it was lots of trials and tribulations and pain along the way. Um, but I got it done. So it was, um, anyway, so, so, anyway, so that's how I ended up in marathon swimming. And once I did that, it's pretty hard to stop doing marathon swims at that point because <laughs> of the community. I just, you know, I was, I was in better shape at 50, you know, four than I was at 44. And I felt like I was getting a lot more out of life just by being in better shape and being more mobile and more active and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's a great community to be a part of. And so, you know, for me, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, I never want to leave the community. So not exactly. leaving the community, right? I have to keep swimming. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're forced to. <laughs> I'm forced to. Twist my arm. But the reality is, right, for, uh, from an emotional perspective, I could probably stop swimming at any time. I don't, I'm not one of those people that gets, yeah, I read everybody's, you know, Facebook posts. And so many people just get joy from swimming. And, um, 
I, I like the outcomes and I like the results. Um, but usually during a marathon swim, I think I'm the world's dumbest person when I'm doing it. And I absolutely hate it. And it's torturous. Um, the feeling at the end when you finish is fabulous. Uh, but during the swim itself, it's just, it's just really, I, it's like, I feel like I failed the IQ test. What am I doing here? So. I can relate to what you're saying a lot. I think I'm very, I'm very outcome driven myself and people talk about just loving the process and swimming every day. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. That doesn't work for me. I'm not going to be, you know, anyway, never mind. <laughs> Well, tell us what, dri what drives you to those outcomes then. I mean, tell me about that. Like, what is that really feeling really like at the end of a marathon swim? What is that like? Uh, you know, it's almost impossible for me to describe. I don't know how to describe it. But, um, it, you know, there's an old saying in sales. I used to be a salesperson and I've managed just people and all that. And, and sales provides the highest highs and the lowest lows. When you get a, you know, a sale that you've been working on for years and you get it, that's just like you're off the charts on ecstatic, right? And then if you don't do it, if you don't get the sale and you work on it for years, you're just in the dumpster, right? You're just like, you can't get much lower than that. Um, from my work perspective, right? There's much worse things in life than that. Um, but so a marathon sums like that, right? I mean, when I, you know, when I'm coming to the end and the bottom starts to come up to you, right? It's just an amazing feeling throughout your body and when you're you know and sometimes right, i'm sure you've experienced this too right sometimes you got to put your foot down too early and it's not quite there yet it's like oh rats right and then when your foot finally touches you're just like wow i'm really this is awesome right and so it's just off the charts it's just a great sense of accomplishment because you know it's this channel like i said that was four years in the making Everything before that, the marathon swims I did before the English Channel, they were all for the English Channel. Um, but even since, right, it's just, you put so much into these things. It's so much time and energy and money and training and, and focus and all that. To, to accomplish it is just, it's just off the charts. It's just an emotion like none other that I've experienced in my life. Yeah, yeah, can I, I can um been there too so yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you have and i'm sure i'm sure your audience has too so um, right yeah tell me about a swim that you're the most proud of um well there, you know it's, it, there's no doubt i don't know when you keep talking about it but it's the english channel because it was more than a swim it was really a lifelong dream it was something that was inside of me that i just always wanted to do but never really got to and um you know, I had a couple other things I wanted to do in life, a couple other big things, um, probably bigger than the English Channel, but, you know, life throws you a bunch of curveballs. And so those other things didn't get done in my life, and they're not going to get done in my life. Um, so not giving up on the English Channel was a really big deal. And I had no idea uh, whether I could do it or not, and I had no idea where to start. No, I, I didn't have – I mean, I was living in Pennsylvania at the time, um, there's nobody around that was doing any kind of distance swimming. There's very little even open water swimming, right? There's more now, but when I started, yeah. um, there was none. And so I was learning. And you have to think about when, the, I mean, you have to think about, but, you know, this is before the internet. You, you know, I mean, there was a little bit of stuff out there, but the MSF forum didn't even start until like 2012. Yeah. Well, it was 2013 when I did the English Channel. So 
going and finding things and getting information. It was like pulling teeth. It was, it was just hard work. So it was a lot of um, absolutely lonely time. And not just the swimming, but the research and the self-doubt and the not understanding and not knowing what to do, not having a coach. I mean, all that kind of stuff. It was really hard. So the English Channel was by far the most, I'm the most proud of. Uh, I also did a swim that nobody would ever done before, at least according to all the research that I'd done. Um, and that was a, a swim between the islands of St. Thomas and uh, St. John and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And I ended up doing a triple of that. And that, that was pretty cool, being the first one and, yeah, same kind of thing. Uh, it was really clear water, especially along the shoreline, and just swimming up. And you just look like the bottom's coming up to you. It's just like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to do something that's never been done before. And that's a, I have to admit, that as egotistical as that sounds, it's a really good feeling to do something it hasn't been done before. I think it's, um, I think that pioneering spirit, just through all the marathon swimmers I talked to, I think you're coming up on like 47 people that I've talked to since the beginning of <laughs> April. And, no, but, but like you, you can feel like that, like there's a drive, even in people who are kind of outcome oriented, they're not like, there's the people that are super into the process and they're going for like the triples and the, you know, the quadruples of things. But I really feel right. like there's this like human, like pioneering spirit that we just, right. you know, we want to be the first one to do something. Cause I, right. you know, I, I don't know. That's one of the things I love about like the support that MSF can provide, you know, and getting that like right. official documentation. Um, right. So anyway, it's on my radar right. too. <laughs> Something that right. I want to pursue. <laughs> Another swim that, um, that may not be on your radar that uh, was kind of a pioneering thing. It's, I mean, I hate to sound this way, but I, um, I did a swim in Brazil, Lime to Pontal in November of last year. And uh, I was the first non-South American, actually, in fact, the first non-Brazilian to actually do it. Um, and I was the oldest person to do it. So that, those things are kind of cool. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool doing those things. Um, at the time I had finished the triple crown of the California triple crown, uh, I was apparently the oldest to do that too. As that says, <laughs> for, I think that was eclipsed like a week later, um, but uh, you know, for a moment I did it. Right? <laughs> so but all those things are exploratory. And for me, I'm so old now that um, it's exploratory and it's much my age as anything else, right? I'm not a young person in any way. And so be careful in my training. I have to do all kinds of stuff just to survive. Um, so it's, anyway, so uh, yeah. So there, actually, I don't know that there's a swim I'm not proud of, but the more adventurous, uh, the better. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, so that swim in Brazil, that, that's like, you're the, you're the calendar guy. I kind of feel fortunate to talk to you. You're the MSF (laughs) calendar guy. You're on my, you're on my refrigerator this month and here I am talking to you. (laughs) Um, Actually, that's that's actually not from Brazil. That's actually from, no, no, no. I'm really impressed that MSF included that photo. It just goes to show that they really do value, um, effort and attempts and those kinds of things, because that's actually from a failed swim. That swim is from, you just froze up. Are you still, can you hear me? Can you hear me I, now? Sorry. I can hear you, yeah. Okay, I can. so you froze up, okay. So that, that's actually, uh, I don't know what you heard last, but that's not, that's fr- that swim is from a failed swim. And I'm really impressed oh. that it got included in the calendar because it just goes to show, um, 
how much they really value the attempt and effort and all, and it's not just about results. Uh, and that's that swim was Rio de Plata, and that's from Uruguay to Argentina across the Rio de Plata. And um, that was a swim I did. I, I've actually attempted twice now. Uh, the second time was in March of this year, March 4th, um, but I didn't complete it in that photo that you saw, and I didn't complete it again March 4th. So in the water for 17 hours and uh, got ordered out of the water because it got too rough and it was too dangerous for the people on the boat to be in the water. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that was really, that was hard because, um, I, you know, you know, when you get to a long swim and you can start seeing details on shore, you're like, okay, finally I'm, I'm getting visual feedback now. I'm no longer just looking down into gray or looking at the same people on the boat for 17 hours. Now I'm finally getting visual feedback of progress. And uh, so I could actually see, start to see the individual lights on shore. So as, as probably under an hour away, but it was just dangerously rough. And it, it, because it was my second attempt, it was emotionally really hard, but um, it was the right thing to end the swim. It was absolutely, people really were in danger. And so um, as gut-wrenching as it was, um, it was, it was the right thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. That is gut-wrenching though. My goodness to be so close. Yeah. <clears throat> um, is there any other anything else that you haven't finished that you maybe had a learning from that you could share with us? Um, yeah, I, mean, I have lots of bad experiences. <laughs> uh, but, you know, um, I, I don't know if you, uh, um, I'm, I'm trying to decide which failure to start with first. Um, the, I, 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 it took me two tries to do the English Channel. The first time I was a half mile from shore when I got ordered out of the water. And basically, um, I still could, I, I've had a swim, I've had two swims actually, where I know I could not have finished. Um, that was not that case that day. I still contend to this day uh, that I could have finished that swim, uh, but there was just giant communication problems. And there's, you know, people um, underestimate how important it is to be surrounded by the right people and have the right people in your life and on your boat, both figuratively and literally. Um, metaphorically, um, and uh, it was just a mess. What was going on on the boat was just a mess. I didn't understand what was going on the boat, but the boat didn't. The people on the boat didn't understand what was going on in the water. And um, anyway, so after so many twelve and a half hours and being a half mile from shore, I got ordered out. And I am, you know, somebody who follows orders. <laughs> I got out. Um, another swim that I failed at, and I have not gone back to attempt again. Uh, was from uh, San Nicolas Island to Santa Barbara Island in Southern California. Um, that was another pioneering thing. I believe that I was the first individual to try to do that. A week later, uh, a relay did it, or, or they left the island. I can't remember where they swam, actually. I think they went all the way to Catalina. But, um, but I, I believe that I was the first person to try a solo off of San Nicolas Island it's a uh, island 60 miles offshore, Southern California, controlled by the Navy. Mm. It took, I can't remember, I think it was like 14 or 15 months of effort to get permission to be on shore for half an hour oh, to start wow. the swim. Um, and, it was, and there was two different sets of people you had to get permission from, like the, uh, this is not the right title anymore, but like the operations people to make sure there wasn't anything going on militarily on the island at that time. Mm -hmm. And then I had to get permission from the Navy's environmental people to make sure the pinnipeds and all that kind of stuff 
weren't going to be disturbed or bothered. It was the right time and the right day and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it just took a ton of coordination. And then, you know, uh, it was a lot of time, a lot of money, it was six hour boat ride. So it was a six hour boat ride just wow. to get out there. Right. And got there. And I, I was in the water for like an hour and a half and my head started spinning. An hour and a half was nothing at that time. You know, normal workout was you know, somewhere between three and five hours. Uh, my head started spinning. Literally, my, my vision just started doing this. Oh, wow. And uh, we started in the evening. The sun went down shortly after we took off because I wanted to make sure I could try to land during the day. So I wanted to swim through the night. Um, but it just got worse and worse and worse. And my vision just started going. There was a couple times I rolled over on my back and the whole sky was just going. And then, wow. you know, spinning and correcting, spinning. And so... Yeah, that's an example of a swim I could not have finished. There was nobody else that stopped that swim. In fact, my stroke rate and all that kind of stuff, people couldn't even really tell what was going on. Yeah. People, they were, at that point, right, um, there were people on the boat, my kayaker, they all knew me really well at this point and couldn't understand, you know, what was going on with me. And so when I, I, when I stopped the swim after two and a half hours, uh, everybody was shocked. Um, but I tell you, that was a long boat ride back. <laughs> that was... They were talking about feeling like you let people down. But anyway, so I've never gone back and done that because all the personnel in the Navy changed and yeah. just all the work to go do it. I just, um, you know, it just wasn't calling my name the same way that we had the Plata called my name to come back and try it again. And mm-hmm. we had the Plata is still calling my name. So I will go back to Uruguay again. I will try it a third time and I will keep going until I get this one. <laughs> so. Do you know what it was that happened with your, like with your vision? Was it like just kind of seasickness? Thing? I, you know, I still, I still don't know. I saw doctors afterwards and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I'm allergic to, to crustaceans, not shellfish, oh. but crustaceans mm-hmm. like lab, lobster, crab, crawfish, that kind of stuff, shrimp. Um, and what I noticed the next day is I, I had, I, I get stung by jellyfish. It happens. It's just part of this, you know, fun this of our sport. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so while I was sitting there that first part, I, I kept feeling these like little zaps, but not enough to stop me. Um, but then what I noticed the next day is I had little dots, almost like mosquito bites, like mm-hmm. all over my body, huh. just everywhere. And so my, my doctor, you know, thinks it was some kind of allergic reaction, you know, that maybe the plankton was, maybe the things that were stinging me weren't jellyfish. Maybe it was, you know, some kind of larva or whatever. And I talked to other people that said just, it's just as much as we know about the ocean, we don't know much about the ocean 60 miles offshore. Right. Most, yeah. most of our studies have been really, you know, closer to shore than offshore. I don't know if that's still true, but that's what one expert told me. So, yeah, to this day, it's it's still a, a mystery. Um, but I admit that day, right? I could not have kept going, and yeah. it was so. It was just that was just one that should have ended. Yeah, yeah, so. interesting. Is there anything that you've learned during a swim that you've been able to carry forward into other swims? Whether maybe if you finished it or even if you didn't. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, there's always a, that's what I love about this thing is every single time I learn something new. And um, I, I like to think every single time I, I think my knowledge reservoir, my emotional strength gets better and better. Um, you know, I, I always, it's um, in any big endeavor, I, let me back up. So sometimes I do these, I do keynote presentations, right? And I do keynote presentations about achieving a boyhood dream. And in those keynote presentations at the end, I always get asked, 
almost always get asked, how much of it is mental, how much is physical? And I used to make a joke, well, if you knew how much was mental, it wouldn't be mental. Wouldn't even try. Right? If you know the percentage, right? But So sometimes I get a little bit of a snicker, but most of the time people go, huh? What did he just say? And so that caused me to think more and more about my answer because I was getting asked, I get asked this question every time. And so I realized that it, thinking about the mental-physical divide is just the wrong framing. That really the framing is there's the physical side. You have to take care of that. That means dealing with the temperature, dealing with, you know, swimming at night, you know, whatever it is, being able to swim a long way, all, all that physical stuff. Then there's the knowledge piece, and that's learning how to parallel a boat, learning how to communicate with the boat, you know, learning how to, you know, breathe in a way that you can keep your vision. Just There's all kinds of knowledge things that you have to learn. And then the hardest thing, the biggest differentiator is the emotional side. And that's something that I think a lot of people gross – uh, gloss over and everything they do in life. So I don't, you know, take emotions and knowledge and throw it all into my head as one thing. Right? It's just like when you you do strength training and you do endurance training, right? With with what's going on in your head, there are separate things in your head. There's the knowledge growth, and then there's the emotional thing. And I used to think I, I go through dark periods, and I used to think it was because I was such a bad swimmer that I was the only person going through dark periods in these marathon swims. And what I've learned is even the best people go through dark periods. Mm -hmm. And um, so what I've learned is a couple of things to talk to myself through it is first of all, just being aware that I'm going to go through a dark period. So for me, I know that I go through a dark period potentially right before about the halfway mark. And then again, around the three quarter mark, mm -hmm. right? Where the pain is just so excruciating and I'm not even halfway yet. Or <laughs> uh, pain is so excruciating. I have a 25% left, and that's a marathon swim by itself. I mean, oh my God, you know. And so those are my dark periods. And so what I've learned is to expect them. And so, like in the Brazil swim, I intentionally did not feed every half an hour, every 20 minutes. I fed every hour on purpose. So I got beyond that, and I didn't, I intentionally asked to be told not where I was. So I passed the halfway mark before I knew it. And so that helped, right? That helped manage my emotions. The other thing is, is now when I feel that dark, and it's almost like a goblin or a ghoul or whatever coming up from the deeps, coming in, trying to grab me. Um, well, I have a little phrase I, I say to myself when he you know, comes to get me, I just say, hello, friend. And uh, it sounds silly. You're laughing at me. No, nope, not I'm laughing at you. I'm laughing because yeah. I understand you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but the, I found that phrase really helps a lot because I direct it right to that demon. And demons and emotions and those kinds of things, I found they don't like to be recognized. So whether you're talking about marathon swimming or something emotionally hard in life or work or whatever big challenge it is, I've, I've taken these lessons from Marathon Swimming and applied them to the rest of my life, right? Um, that's where the, the beauty of sports is you just learn so much in such condensed periods and then the lessons you can learn, you can apply to other places. That you do learn, you apply to other places and that's, that's one of them. And so when dark emotional times come, I say, hello, friend. And uh, it, worked, you know, it worked really well in the Brazil swim. And then you're talking about other lessons. Um, Brazil swim is the same thing. I, I started throwing up at hour four in that swim. 
And so I had nothing in me. It was a 15 hour, it ended up being a 15 hour swim. And I had nothing in me after hour four. Even like trying to take a little bit of water was just bad news. And so um, at some point, you know, I can't remember exactly where it is, somewhere around the 75% marks. You know, the, the dark period didn't come, but what came was total physical collapse. Mm. And I just, I really, I couldn't swim. Normally, at that point, I swim, I was trying to feed every half an hour, but I couldn't make it every half an hour without a break. And so I, I really, you know, you hear about marathon runners chunking it out. I really chunked it out. And um, I wasn't going to quit. I wasn't going to stop. Um, so what I did is I just, I said, you know what? I'm going to swim 100 strokes. As I would swim 100 strokes, and I'd stop. And because it was, all, it was a, along the shoreline, away from the shoreline, but along the shoreline, I could uh, see the shoreline enough to get bearings. And so I was swimming straight on into a current. There's just, there hadn't been that, I think I was number 28, maybe 21 without a wetsuit to ever do the swim. So they just didn't have that much experience with the currents. And so I was swimming head on into a current. So what happened is I'd swim 100 strokes, I'd stop and I'd look at shore. And if the shore, if I could tell I was being pushed backwards, it would only be like a five second break, but it'd be a break. If the shore, if I, it, it, but then if I wasn't being pushed backwards, if I was staying stagnant right at that point, like it's not being moved backward enough to see it visually, to, you know, from a distance, then I would maybe wait 15 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. So it was almost like, you know, old, you know training where it's like, okay, I'm going to swim this far, take a 10 second break, swim this far, take a 10 second break. And that's what it was. And then all of a sudden, um, yeah, I knew lightning was in the predict uh, in the forecast for later that evening. I knew I had a deadline to beat the thing, and then so I could see the clouds forming over the mountain range, and that just like snapped me out of it. And I got a second emotional burst or whatever at that point, and then I was able to swim normally. But I, I I'm not sure how long. Um, I, it was probably an hour, maybe two hours of hundred strokes at a time and stop, hundred strokes at a time and stop. So. Um, Probably more than you wanted to hear too much detail, but yeah, yeah that's but, but that's what I had to do to finish that one. Yeah, so. that's interesting. I like your divide of the emotional versus knowledge. I've always just called it kind of mental preparation and coaching right. and talking to people. But but you're right. It really does. It really does. It really does come down to emotional preparation. Right, and I I really I throw the word mental out. Right, yeah. so it's it, what I use with my business clients now, right? Because my business goes through the same thing. I, it's PKE, right? It's it's physical, right? Yeah. And if you think about it in the business world, yeah. physically, right? People can do the business jobs, right? Knowledge, lots of people have MBAs and that kind of stuff. A lot of people have the knowledge. The difference of great leaders in business is their emotional controls yeah. over themselves, their influence of others, their sensitivity to others. It's all around emotions. And when you're planning something, whether it's a marathon, swim, or or business. You've got to have a plan to deal with your physical side. You've got to deal with your knowledge. How do you reserve a boat? How do you, you know, you know, book a captain? How do you sign up for the assistant? All those knowledge things matter, create a, right? Create a crew, right? All that create a crew. How do you pick a team, right? All that stuff, right? <laughs> and then the emotional side just gets really underlooked. But I, I train in a way that I like to think improves my emotional strength all the time. Mm -hmm. And... Um, that's really important to have a plan for your emotional side too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's, I like, I like that breakdown. That's fantastic. 
Um, how do you get through those really hard parts? You kind of talk, talked about it. So, yeah, I'm kind of feeling so, like you maybe got into that a little bit, but tell us um, any other hard situations you've had to deal with and get through. Um, well, it's, it's, it's emotional. And I, I, I like to, um, I, I work out alone. I, I don't, um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm so isolated where I am. I'm not really part of a daily or weekly or monthly community. My community happens when I think conversations like this. My community happens, uh, you, know, you know, electronically. My community happens when I go do a swim. I love meeting people all over the world that are involved in marathon swimming. The, the commonalities are amazing, mm -hmm. right? The drive, the character, all that is just—it's amazing the similarities. No matter where you go in the world, um, but uh, you know, a lot of my, the tough stuff I try to deal with as much as possible in my workouts. And swimming alone is a big, so like if I do any workouts short, just one example, any shorter than three hours, I won't feed. I won't take any water. I won't take any feed. I won't do anything because I think that makes me emotionally harder. Probably helps me physically too, but I think it makes me emotionally harder because then when I go do a swim, right, then it's like, oh, I'm feeding every half an hour. This is awesome. Okay. Right? So, it's, uh, so I'm managing my emotions. I don't listen to music. Um, I watch the clock a lot. My sets are intentionally boring. Like if I'm in a short course pool, I'm doing hundreds. Not very fast. I'm doing hundreds on the 140. So that's 36 100s per hour. Um, that's just what I do. And, uh, and I just do it over and over. If I have two hours, I'm doing 72 100s. If, you know, so that's just what I do. When I'm in a long course pool, uh, I'm just swimming nonstop. And I'm watching the pace clock. When I come off the wall at the 100, I'm looking up at the pace clock to make sure I'm keeping my pace. But I just go nonstop. I don't talk. I don't chit chat. I don't do anything. I don't have you know MP3 player or anything because emotionally, right? You've got to be real comfortable inside your own head. Yeah. So um, anyway, so that's yeah. I, I, that's where I, I try to do most of the hard stuff actually in workouts. By the time I get to the swim, at least the first half of the swim is relatively easy, mm -hmm. right? So I, I believe too that swimming in your workouts it doesn't. This is going to sound, I, I'm not an authority. I'll just tell you what works for me. I, I don't believe that swimming 5K a day gets you ready for a marathon swim. What I believe is if you swim three or four times a week and you do 10K or longer in those three or four times a week, that better prepares you for a marathon swim. Because for me personally, I go through pain threshold around three or 4K and I go through another pain threshold around seven or 8K. And you've got to work through those pain thresholds mm -hmm. in order to get you ready for a marathon swim. And if you don't mm -hmm. do that, right, you hit 7, 8K and, you know, you're feeling pain that you're not used to feeling. Right. Uh, it's hard. It's emotionally hard. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you're saying, too, about the boring workouts, because I find myself in the spring usually is when I'm starting to build distance for whatever's going on that summer. And that's, yeah, but I, there's only where I live, there's only like one other person that I'll even attempt to swim with me. And he's always like, okay, what are we doing today? And I'm like, I was just going to do, a, like, I'll even do thousands. Like, I'll just do four with thousands, try to get four with thousands. He's like, what? I'm like, well, you don't have to swim with me. This is, really, this is what I'm going to do. Just trying to put in the yards. <laughs> But anyway, absolutely. absolutely. But I, I, I contend that those workouts, they're not just physical, Janet. No, what yeah. you're doing is you're making yourself emotionally tougher, right? Yeah. Being comfortable inside your own head. Yeah, exactly. Think, think of all the dialogue you've had in your own head during those <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, some people need to get that dialogue too. How do you convince them that they need to spend some time in their head? <laughs> 
okay, I don't know how we're going to get into politics. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave that one there. <laughs> <laughs> um how how about your swimming technique has it changed at all as you've evolved your as you've become a marathon swimmer um, yes um i've always had a lousy stroke um but um so yeah i think it's it's dramatically different i mean i i intentionally have a high recovery because i end up swimming in water that seems to be choppy all the time and if you do that elbow you know high elbow drag your fingertip thing you're just going to end up plowing your hand with the water and you can't it doesn't help you. Um, and uh, I take, uh, my turnover is incredibly slow. And, um, you know, I, my, my normal turnover is like 58 strokes per minute. Uh, but I really, um, I try my best to go as far as I can per stroke. And um, you know, I wasn't always that way. I was, you know, when I did swim, I was an IMer, a little bit of a butterflyer. Uh, so yeah, this is a completely different kind of swimming. And I, and I, you know, because we all have work and life and family and limited time, I can't even tell you the last time I've done a lap of butterfly, right? Anytime I get in the water, it's those workouts that I just told you about. And it's been that way for 11 years now. So, um, anyway, so yeah, it's, cha it's changed a lot. Um, I had a friend of mine that I knew from high school that uh, helped crew on my Gibraltar swim. He's like, you're not even the same swimmer anymore. Your stroke doesn't look anything that, that, like it did back in high school. Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> it's inevitable, I think. <laughs> Change is inevitable. Uh, how's the quarantine been for you? I'm not studying quarantine anymore. How's the pandemic been for you this year so far? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I, I actually, um, I think in a lot of ways, marathon swimmers are better equipped to deal with this? That's why this that, whole thing started. <laughs> oh, you started it? You, it's, you, you did this? Um, no, I was just trying to, uh, I, I feel like oh, there's, oh, no, there's knowledge that can be oh, gained from marathon swimmers oh, okay. for like pandemic right. people the right. world round. I'm hoping right. I'll catch on to marathon swim stories because we're giving them tips to get through life. That's, right, well, that's a great point because I, I really believe that we're, we are better equipped because of what we just talked about a few moments ago. That is we have to spend a lot of time in our own head. We have to be very careful, comfortable who we are. And, you know, as much as you've had entertaining people on this show, they all have to be a little bit introverted, right? <laughs> and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm perfectly happy um, swimming alone. I'm perfectly happy swimming with a group if, you know, if it happens, it just never happens. Um, <laughs> but I'm perfectly happy reading a book or studying or going and learning something I haven't learned. And I, I really, um, uh, as soon as it looked, looked like it was going to go on, again, I, I have younger kids. I'm old, but I have younger kids. I have an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old. As soon as this happened, I started, like, what can I do with my kids so that they see this as not just a missed, you know, missed water polo, missed swimming, missed gymnastics, missed dance, missed, you know, all baseball, missing all these things that they normally do. Um, what can I do to make this better? And so my, um, you know, they're spending more time learning Spanish, um, my son is going through a scuba course, um, you know, that he can do online. Patty has a great scuba course. You can do online remotely. Um, so I'm trying to do things like that. And so I try to apply the same thing with myself. I'm working on longer projects because my commute time now is much. I actually love the fact that I think I've worn shoes once since March. <laughs> right? I mean, that's not bad for a swimmer, right? And uh, for us. 
And um, so actually, and I love, I, 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 I like to drive when I have a new destination or I'm going somewhere far. But if I'm just like doing normal driving around, so all that's gone. So I actually have more time in my day than I normally do. And so in a lot of ways, I mean, I hate to say I enjoyed the pandemic, but um, it hasn't been bad. It, it really hasn't been bad. And it's been tough for my kids because they miss their summer league swimming that they love so much. And they were both positioned to have great years this year mm -hmm. in their summer league. And that's sad because that's something I'll never get back. Like my like 11-year-old would have been top of age group at 10 and under. My eight-year-old was would have been eight-year-old. They both were positioned to do really well in yeah. the you know in the league, and they'll never get that back. So it sounds selfish for me to say it's but you know what? We've spent a ton of time down here in South Car in North Carolina on the Outer Banks, so they've had a pretty good summer too, all things considered. I mean, they've been boogie boarding a ton more. They've you know they've read more. They've just done a lot of things, and um, you know, it's hard for them though. Um, yeah. But for me, it hasn't been bad. As selfish as that sounds. <laughs> no, my kids are little. I have a three and a five-year-old. They're almost four and six. And right, right. I kind of feel like though they're at that, my six-year-old, you can tell he like really kind of misses his friends. The three-year-old is perfectly right. happy with just like the worst right. world. It's like his big brother and me, you know, our right. worst world. And he's totally just like, just anyway, but I can, I empathize with the people that have older kids because that socialization, I'm like that, that's so It's hard. really, it's, yeah, that's, that is by far the hardest thing on my kids. They're both very social, and um, I know they, they miss their friends a ton, and they miss the interaction a ton. Swim, yeah. Like I said, swim team, baseball, everything. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Switching tacks a little bit, we'll just do a couple <laughs> more questions, I'll let you get back to your day, but um, how about in inclusion? How do you think we can include more people in mar marathon swimming? Um, well, I think this, I mean, I had to wait four years to get my slot and cook straight. So <laughs> I, I think the sport's growing tremendously. It is, yeah. Um, I think, um, I don't know that I have a, a good answer, but I think it starts, um, it doesn't start with marathon swimming. I, I think it starts in our communities when people are younger. I think looking for, um, you know, I, I might actually cry when I tell the story. I'm going to tell a story. Right. Um, You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> I, I I hope not. Um, but I so when I swam the English Channel, uh, they did a front page story about me in the Philadelphia the the Philadelphia paper, like the main paper, front page story. I, I, you know, they told me it was coming. I thought it was going to be in the sports section or the health section or something. Right. I go to the the uh, and I'm, in Philadelphia they published the Sunday version on Saturday. And they published a second version on Sunday. And, um, you know, basically the same paper, but they've upgraded it or changed it and up all that. And so I went to the store on Saturday and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on the front page, above the fold, right? It was President <laughs> Obama, it was the Eagles, it was Miss America, and it was some other big thing, and me, right? And I was above all of them. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And so I bought like 20 papers. <laughs> I admit, right? I bought a bunch. And then, so, uh, and I might have been fair away, but I bought a bunch. And then, um, when my family and friends found out about it, right, my California family and friends, all that, and so they're like, oh, you have to send me one, you have to send me one. So I went back on Sunday and bought more, right? Same newspaper, basically, I bought a bunch more. And then, so, um, 
couple of days later, I started sorting. I'm not going to swim the whole, you know, whole Sunday paper. I'm just like taking the front section and sorting it out. And uh, in the Philadelphia paper, it was the front page and the next section is a regional section. And the top story in the regional section is an African-American father and son who drowned. The son went into a river and was struggling. Father went in after him and he drowned as well. All right. So here I am in my garage, sorting these papers, all full of myself. And then I see it, these people die. All right? And that's not the worst part. That was Saturday's paper. By Sunday's paper, I'm still on the front page. They had a different top story on the regional section for Sunday. So these people were like gone already. So I, yeah, I'm a believer in teaching everybody how to swim at all. More than that, though, we need to teach people how to float. If we can just teach people how to float in any circumstance, no matter what, we would save a ton of lives. And if we teach people how to float, then they'll learn how to swim. And if they learn how to swim, a certain number of those will end up being really good swimmers, and a certain number of those will end up being marathon swimmers. And so I don't, I don't see a short-term fast answer. Because the reality is you need a pipeline. Reality is um, this is not a cheap sport. Reality is the sport is, you know, it takes a lot of time and energy, access to pools, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I have challenges getting access to pools, especially during this pandemic. Um, but it's even, you know, it's much worse for others than it is for me. But you've got to start young. You've got to start with floating, and you have to start with pool access. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's not a quick answer. Um, I, I, I know it's a cultural thing, um, but it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, I want to be careful not saying anything politically incorrect, but it's, it's an access thing. There's no reason why everybody, and I, I have taught African, and when I was younger, I taught African Americans how to float. I, I mean, I, I mean, uh, so, I, you know, it's possible for everybody to learn how to float. Everyone should be still in the water. Yeah. And I just talk yes. about it as being still in the water. I teach kids lessons right. and yeah. Oh, and, okay. and well, even with adults, I'm just like, you know, you have to be still in the water. Like how else do you learn to, I mean, otherwise you're going to be struggling. And if you're struggling, right. you know, you're going to go under. So right. if, if, your muscles get all tight in your history. Right? Yeah, exactly. So. You have to learn to be still in the water, you know, and then, you so. know, learning to swim can, should come from that. But yeah, I love that. So, Anyway, so I hope I didn't make you cry, but I, I almost did. And believe me, when in my garage, when I sort those newspapers, the tears were running down. Oh, my gosh. So. That's... Oh. My heart goes out, too. <laughs> those people, my goodness. Those yeah. people. Yeah, not me. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about advice for aspiring marathon swimmers? What would you tell somebody new to the sport? Um, it's really hard. Uh, I, I, and it's really complex. I mean, I think a lot of people think it's just a matter of, I mean, I get, because I'm, I'm unusual in my area. If anybody's ever thinking about doing a marathon swim, they seek me out. Mm. Right? I mean, you know what I mean? It's like I've been in the newspaper a couple of times, that kind of stuff. So people like, anyway, it's as long as many <laughs> tangents, but people seek me out. And so I think a lot of people think it's just a matter of swimming a long way. 
Like if I could just swim a long way, that's it. And it's not that. I mean, I go back to the PKE is really important, right? Having a plan to strengthen your self physically. You have to have a plan to grow your knowledge and you have to plan to grow emotionally, right? You have to get stronger emotionally. So all those things matter. Um, but then also having the right support in your life, having the right people in your life matters a lot. I mean, I, I, I have younger kids. I mean, if I didn't have the family support that I have, I wouldn't, I mean, I was, when I was in Argentina in March, I was there for two weeks. In Argentina, I was there for two weeks. I, I couldn't do that without help and support. So you need, absolutely need the right people uh, in your life and the right people on the boat. Never underestimate what goes on on the boat. And it's really critical to have the right people there. The, um, I think th those are probably the biggest lessons. Those are the biggest things. Those are good ones. Those are good ones. Uh, what marathon swimmer has inspired you? Um, you know, probably, the, I mean, I, I, my bet is that most people say Sarah Thomas <laughs> because she's so incredible. Um, but quite frankly, she's in such a different league that she's, <laughs> She creates awe, but I'm not sure she really inspires me, <laughs> right? Because I'm never, I, I'm never going to do four links of the English chat. It's just, <laughs> it's not happening, right? So I, I think some of the, I, um, the thing that matters, I think, most in life is tenacity, right? Just to keep working even when you have challenges and adversity in front of you. So, you know, Jackie Corbell has spent 28 hours in the English Channel to complete a one-way. That's pretty inspiring to me. Otto Fanning, who I think for 21 years, at least 20 years, he had the fastest time in the English Channel for anyone over the age of 50. Um, and then he went back when he was 73 and became the oldest person to do the English Channel. He, he's from South Africa. He, he's really inspiring. So it's, it's more people like that. Um, and then it's also people... Uh, that aren't necessarily good swimmers. Uh, oh, I better be careful. <laughs> um, but, or, you know, they weren't collegiate swimmers, right? They came right. to this even later in life. They weren't, you know, your natural, like, you know, right? But those people, they go through so much to accomplish what they have to accomplish. Those are the people that inspire me, right? Yeah. Because they, they just, their road is steeper. Right, and I'm not taking anything away from great swimmers. Don't, don't misunderstand, but the the, the people that, that struggle and overcome and keep driving and keep going until they succeed, those, those are the people that inspire me. And can you imagine spending 28 hours in the English Channel for a one way? Imagine what that takes. I right? yeah. And I've never I've never met either one of those two people that I mentioned. I've never met either one, so I don't know them. So I'm a, I'm a fan from afar, but yeah. it's just it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I well, I love the late onset stories too that go on to you know, right. like it's just it's just amazing to me that someone you know because I th and I think people like that they look at a person who's a a swimmer all their life and they're like, sure, all you had to do was just like go right. keep swimming. Whereas for me, I had to figure out how to swim. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I admire admire the the late onset swimmers or people that come over from other sports. And I don't know that, but that's a big part of what I want to accomplish with marathon swim stories too, is that I help people know that not everybody is a lifelong swimmer. You know, right. a lot of us are, I myself am as well, but um, I love, I love getting the stories of um, people people who've just decided they wanted to swim a really long way <laughs> whenever they decided to do it, you know? Right, right.
yeah i love it thank you so much for your time today anthony really absolutely thanks for having me Pleasure. i appreciate it. i appreciate it very much are you ready to swim smarter check out my virtual efficient swimming basics program at intrepidwater.com i hope you enjoyed today's interview if you'd like to be a guest on marathon swim stories just email me shannon at intrepidwater.com please stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com thanks for listening